the Bible Study Podcast, episode 313. Today's Bible Study Podcast continues the study of marriage. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As we continue in the study of marriage, I have some news that isn't necessarily going to be popular news in terms of what the Bible has to say about being married to someone who is not a Christian, somebody who is an unbeliever. And then I think that informs the discussion also on dating. So let's read the verses first of all. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 17. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, these set of verses are commonly interpreted as mostly pertaining to marriage, just because the term yoked is one that is used in terms of a pair of oxen, for instance, are yoked together, they work together, they are bound together. It doesn't necessarily have to be limited to that, but it's definitely a warning against Paul for being separate. And it is usually interpreted as don't be married to somebody who is an unbeliever. Before we go into that, let's look at why. And one of the reasons why we can see in 1 Kings, 1 Kings 11, the first six verses talk about King Solomon. And King Solomon was a very wise king, at least originally, and also had a number of wives. And 1 Kings 11 says this, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonites, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. So Solomon fell into a trap. He fell into a trap through love, through marriage, through way too many marriages, in my personal opinion. But he also fell into a trap that was well known. This is something that if you go back to the book of Judges, you'll see that very quickly after Joshua and Caleb die at the end of the book of Joshua and the beginning of the book of Judges, the people start intermarrying with, they start forgetting their God, they start being influenced by all of these other people that God did not want them influenced by. And one of the reasons that he didn't specifically in their case was not only were they worshiping other gods, as Solomon we see here is doing, but they were worshiping other detestable gods. Now, the worship of other gods is bad enough, but remember, we're talking about some of the gods of the Canaanites that caused things like child sacrifice and such. So really bad stuff. And They were drawn away because the person close to their heart was not close to the heart of God in the sense that the person close to them had a very different direction in their life 
and a direction away from God. And so for the Israelites, for Solomon, and potentially for you and I, that can be a trap. I was at a wedding recently, a Christian wedding, a lovely wedding, and one of the vows that the bride, I think, said was that she would love her husband with all her heart, all her mind, all her soul, and all her strength. And that's wonderful, but it is not the calling of Scripture. The calling of Scripture is that we love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. That God is number one in our life, and everything else, therefore, falls into correct relationship, including our marriage, including our children, including our friendships, all of those things. What Paul is encouraging people is if God is first in your life and you're going to get married, then you should marry someone who God is first in their life too. That you don't fall into the trap that the Israelites did, that Solomon did, and that so many people I know have done. It's a whole lot easier to get up on Sunday morning and go to church if the person that you're lying next to also is getting up on Sunday morning and going to church. That's the first set of verses about marrying somebody who is an unbeliever, somebody who is not a Christian. And the second, though, is an interesting one because it's the opposite side of that. It's what if you already did? And Paul, the same author from 1 Corinthians this time, to the rest I say this, I, not the Lord, if a brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So even though Paul says you shouldn't get married to somebody who is not a Christian, somebody who is not a believer, he's saying if you did, you still made that promise before God. You still said that you were going to stay together for life, and you should. And how do you know whether you'll have an effect on that spouse? So he tells us not to, but if we have already, he doesn't get us out of that. He doesn't say, well, if you married somebody who wasn't a believer, then you should leave. He does say, let them go if they leave, but he says you should stay. And of course, what was happening here is the ranks of those people in the church were growing every day. And obviously with a number of new converts where the husband would become a convert first, but not the wife, where the wife would become a convert first and not the husband. And we see that happen today as well. So even if so even if everyone who is a Christian only married a Christian, you would still get into situations like this. And it might be the opposite. It might be that you marry someone and then they fall away from their faith or from the church. And he's saying, stay. Stay because you don't know what your role is in their life. And besides, you did make a promise. Now, I had at least one request that when we talk about marriage to talk about dating, And there is not a lot in the Bible about dating, and I think you would probably not be surprised about that if you think about it, because dating was not something that was generally done. We hang out at the well a little bit to get some water, but there isn't really a dating culture. There certainly isn't any online dating. There is no speed dating. In fact, what there tend to be more of is arranged marriages. You know, Abraham sending his servant off to find a wife for Isaac, that sort of thing. And so you don't have that culture. But one of the things I think these verses inform us is something that I don't think is always that popular is if the purpose of dating 
is to meet someone who I eventually marry, shouldn't I think about who I date in the same light? So why should I date someone who the Bible is telling me it wouldn't be wise for me to marry? Because I think the problem there is we think, well, it doesn't specifically say I shouldn't date. But of course, by the time you get to the point where you've fallen in love, that's a really, really hard decision to make. To say I'm in love with this person, but I won't marry them because of my faith is not a place that I wish you to find yourself because that's a difficult choice. And it's a choice that maybe you wouldn't have to make if you'd made some different choices at first. So that's one thing that we can say about dating. And the only other thing I would say in this context is this is not coming from someone who believes that we should be completely out of the world. In fact, quite the opposite. I believe we should be incredibly involved in the lives of people around us, especially people who are not Christian. One of the reasons I go in and do prison ministry is to hopefully be able to touch the lives of young men who don't necessarily have a strong relationship with God. And it is not my fear that by hanging out with them, I will lose my relationship, but it is my hope that by hanging out with me, they may gain some. So I'm not afraid of being in touch with the world, and I'm not afraid of having relationships and friendships and good friendships with people who are not Christians, and quite the contrary. But marriage is a special relationship. In light of all the decisions you need to make together as a married couple, in light of all the things you will do together for the rest of your life, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, in good times and in bad times, I would second Paul's recommendation here that those things will go better if you both report to the same authority, if you both look to leadership to Jesus the Christ. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.